Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't going to tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. So th- this past week was... was uh Obviously, with the surgery coming up and, and it's shipping season, uh, Brett and them uh, shipped our yearlings out on, on Sunday and Monday and then uh, had a day off on Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, I went and uh, helped Gary Lauer, one of our board members, uh, gather and, and ship his yearlings. And um, I had gone to Las Vegas to do a funeral for a police officer that had had passed away unexpectedly, not in the line of duty, you know, getting shot or anything, but that doesn't matter. He was at work, had a massive heart attack and passed away. And so before I left, instead of, you know, feeding and stuff like that, I just turned the horses out and let them, let them have some of this last green grass that we've got before it starts snowing. And so these horses were just in hog heaven. And on, on, I knew I was going to have to work on Wednesday. So on Tuesday, I was going to have to gather these horses. Now these are ranch horses. Okay. And, and I started getting anxiety about getting them in the pen and getting them caught the next morning after being turned out so long, because you can't hardly catch Fiona in a 10 by 10 stall, much less on 80 acres. And so, man, I started kind of getting uptight about, you know, I had me a game plan, right? I mean, I was going to figure this out. I was going to outsmart them and, and all of that stuff. So, uh, Wednesday after, after Tuesday after school, I told my oldest son, Griffin, I was like, come help me catch those horses. He's like, you've got to be kidding me because he knows, right? And so I was like, uh, come on, let's get in. And so I got the gator and I was going to have to go out in the pasture and, and bring them in. And, and Griffin was going to set some gates. And uh, so anyway, Griffin set the gates and I, he opened the gates and, and, and was setting them so I could bring them in. And as I went through the gate, I looked up. And here comes all four of these horses just trotting towards me. I was like, there's no way. It took me 45 minutes to get them out of the pen because it's, a, it's kind of a hot wire uh, water lot that we've got temporarily set up until we can build the set of pens. And so I was like, it took me 45 minutes. You know how hot wire is. When your hot wire broke, you know, they're used to there being a wire there and uh, couldn't get them couldn't get them out. And I thought, there's no way I can get them into that pen. So I was going to run them in another lot that had a good fence. And then I was going to have to try to chase them all over Tarnation and try to catch them and all this stuff. Well, I pulled through and here comes Fiona in the lead. And here's three other horses behind her just at a slow trot. Like, hey, what's going on over here? And I looked at Griffin and I said, there is no way that these horses are going to come in this pen. But they just kept coming and they just kept coming. They just kept coming. And so anyway, I pulled over there kind of by the, drove real slow by that, uh, by that hot wire water lot that we had set up and they came right through the gate. You know, they kind of stopped at the gate cause Griffin was standing there and he stepped back and they went right through the gate and I drove that gator right up in there into the, into that pen and they all followed me and we set out a bell of hay and they just started munching on it. Well, I started crying and, you know, got down on my hands and knees, thanking God you know, cause I'd been worried about it for two weeks when Gary asked me to help. And, uh, you know, I'd be, I'd been so worried about getting them in. And I, and I know that sounds simple to y'all, but just come live my life with my horses. Right. And, you know, somebody said one time, 
uh, you know, and I don't know why it's so hard for you to catch your horses. Well, let me tell you why, because they're ranch horses. You know, I, I don't go trail riding with treats, okay? When I saddle up a horse, they know what's going to happen. I mean, it's liable to be a long day of roping and, you know, I, I use my horses. And so uh, I needlessly wasted uh, a bunch of time and energy worrying about something that didn't happen. And my horses aren't bad. They're just they're bad, right? And, and so, um, but there, nobody wants to work that hard. And, and I work hard and, and the cowboys that I ride with work hard and their horses work hard. And so uh, I worried for two days about how this was going to go. And, you know, that's kind of what worry is, right? Worry's a down payment on something that you don't want to happen. And, um, but, I, but I did remember something after I got those horses in the pen. And it's a great source of comfort when I'm not trying to freak out and control everything, you know, because I'm, I'm Mr. My, my wife calls me Mr. Planny Planner Guy, right? And so I have to have a plan. And if the plan doesn't go just exactly like it's supposed to go, I get wigged out and freaked out and stuff like that. But I did remember something while I was bringing those horses into the pen, that God doesn't expect me to figure everything out. He just wants me to trust him. God doesn't want us to figure everything out. And don't we do that every single time? I mean, we we try to figure this out and figure that out and figure this out. And it doesn't matter if it's bringing in horses or or trying to develop our personal relationship with God. We want to know, we want a checklist, we want everything to go perfect. We don't need anything else to go wrong. I mean, if you need something to go wrong, just come out to the ranch, okay? Just come out to the ranch. You'll probably have surgery on a leg, you know, like three-fourths of our of our people. But in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8, that there, there's, this, uh, there's this verse that, that many of you have probably heard. You might not have known that it was Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8. But God says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. My, my thought, I mean, God is saying, look, man, quit trying to figure everything out. Quit trying to figure everything out. Your, your job isn't to know everything. That's God's job. And a lot of time, this source of, of complication or worry or stress or anxiety or panic, it all stems from us trying to figure stuff out every single time. You know, Jesus wasn't trying to figure everything out when he fed the 5,000. Now, an interesting note, whenever Jesus did feed the 5,000 with just a few fish and, and, and a few loaves of bread is that they were only counting the men and it wasn't a men's only retreat, you know, so there was women and children there. So, I mean, it could have been 15 or 20,000 people, but God, uh, Jesus wasn't freaking out about that. He just said, well, do we got any food? You know, cause the disciples are like, Hey man, let all these people go. You know, I know you're having a revival here on this mountain, but, you know, these people need to eat. They're going to start falling out. And Jesus was like, well, is there anything to eat? And he's like, well, one kid here, he's Mr. Planner, Planty guy, has, has a couple of fish and a couple of loaves of bread. And he said, well, just pass it out. There are like 20,000 people, right? But Jesus wasn't worried about it. He wasn't worried about anything. He knew that God could provide. Can you imagine how much stress it would go in. I mean, basically they had a potluck, right? 
Can you imagine what the Baptist potluck would have been like if it was fifteen to 20,000 people? There would have been more rules and regulations and, and, uh, and politics and paperwork than the IRS with the Baptists trying to have a potluck for fifteen to 20,000 people. I always wondered why it's potluck if you had to sign up and bring something. You know, those people have the potluck. Well, you're going to bring the meat and you're going to I thought it was potluck. Everybody just bring ice cream, right? That's all we really want. We just eat that other stuff just to get to the ice cream so that nobody thinks we're pigs, right? But if, if that's all there is, that should be all there is. We don't have to figure everything out, man. God's going to provide. And, and I'm not going to say that everything's always going to go smooth. But even if he doesn't provide the way we want it to go, he'll still provide us with the tools and the help and, and everything necessary to probably get the job done. You know, there's another time that Jesus, uh, they went for, for Passover and, you know, everybody went to Jerusalem during that deal. And uh, so the, the men went in the front and then the women and children were in the middle and then some men brought up the rear. And so whenever they left Jerusalem, Mary and Joseph and Jesus and some of his brothers and sisters and stuff like that, uh, Joseph, now Jesus is 12 years old. At 12 years old, you're supposed to be a man. Well, Mary thought that now that Jesus is 12, that, that Jesus would be with the men. And Joseph didn't have Jesus, so he thought he was probably still with the women and children. And they got halfway back to Nazareth before they meet up and figure out that Jesus ain't there. So they start freaking out, right? You know, they lost God's son. You think you have stress. <laughs> I can imagine, you know, they're thinking, God asked us to do one thing. And we forgot Jesus, right? And so they, they went back and, and, and they're scrambling around. There's millions of people or, or however many people there was back then. And they start looking around and finally they go to the temple and they see Jesus surrounded by a bunch of scribes and Pharisees and, and religious people. And Jesus is talking to them and they're talking to him and everything. And they're like, where have you been? You know, you're so worried. But then you, when you find them, you want to throttle them. You ever lost a kid in Walmart? My mom lost me one time in a Gibson's. Y'all probably don't even know what Gibson's is. And I, you do. I, I was hiding in the, you know, the round clothes racks. I was standing in the middle, you know. I thought it was a game, right? I don't remember it, but. So they lost Jesus. But when they found him, they're like, I can imagine, you know, they're like, where have you been? Jesus was like, didn't you know that I'd be in my father's house? Why, why are y'all freaking out? You know, God's going to protect us. Now, when I say God's going to protect us, he's not just going to provide for us, but he's going to protect us. Now, that does not mean that some idiot's not going to pull out in front of you. Whenever we were uh, driving to the hospital on Friday, dad was following us with Jason. Me and my wife were in, in the car, and I'm driving along on Colfax. Everybody, anybody ever been to Colfax? <laughs> and so, anyways, we got off the interstate, and we're driving along. And, and I look up and, and I'm one of those guys that y'all hate because I drive in the left lane and don't use blinkers. And yeah, I'm one of those. And um, my wife reminds me of it all the time. And so anyway, I'm driving in the left lane because it was easier to take the NASCAR. You know, you start out in the, in, in the right lane and then you take that. It's kind of a sharp corner when you come off I-70, but you can, you can do the NASCAR thing and go from outside to in. You know, so that's what I'd done. And I was moving along there you know, 15 or 20 miles above 15 or 20 miles above the speed limit. 
And anyway, I, I looked up, and the mountains were beautiful, and I thought, I wonder if you can see that children's hospital from here. And so I, I'm looking way out there, and then I was like, oh, crud, did dad make the, the exit, you know, because I was doing about 90 whenever I hit that exit. And so I'm looking for the hospital, and so I look in my rearview mirror to see if dad had made the, the exit, and all of a sudden... My wife is like trying, she's like a cat, right? Trying to put a cat through a doggy door. She's like, watch out. And I look up and this car, you know, they got the median. Right? Colorado loves its medians, don't they? <sighs> Roundabouts and medians are going to be the death of me. If I die, y'all just know what happened. It was a median or a roundabout. And so anyway, I looked up and this car had just slammed on its brakes to turn and so, you know, being the ninja I am, dad and my wife thought it was real close. It wasn't. It wasn't. I mean, I've got ninja-like skills. And I just peed just a little and just, you know, whooped her over. You know, but God, God I'm not saying that God's going to protect us from, from, from idiot drivers or anything like this. But what he will do, he may not protect us in this life from everything that will happen, but he will protect us from death. Because if you have that personal relationship with him, this isn't heaven. This, this isn't really what he has planned for us. He's gone to build a house for us that, that, and we've got rewards waiting on us and, and all of that stuff. And that's why Jesus came was to protect us from death, to, to, to say, hey, man, you've got another life to live. And this one that you're living right now, it's just the beginning and it's the sorry beginning of everything. But our job, we make things so complicated. Our job is not to figure everything out. Our job is to trust him. That doesn't mean that everything's always going to go smooth. And, and, and I, the, one of the phrases that I hate the most in this world is when people say, well, I, you know, I guess everything happens for a reason. Well, yeah, I guess everything happens for a reason. If you want to look at it like that. And the reason a lot of that sorry stuff happens is because we have a sinful nature. Okay. God doesn't cause problems. All right. But he gave all of us free will, and sometimes that free will can be used for ultimate good, or sometimes it can be used to slam on your brakes and make a U-turn. we got to pay attention. We complicate our lives by trying to figure things out that really we were never supposed to figure out. There's nowhere in, in the Bible that, that God says, hey, man, you ain't going to get to heaven unless you figure everything out. In Isaiah, he's like, man, you can't figure it out. You, you don't know what I have planned. You don't know what I can do. Even when things are the, are, are the most terrible, good things can come from it. Now, that he doesn't cause terrible things so he can do good things, but he can take even the most terrible things and use it for good. So I got the, I, I got the horses in and, and I went back out and I closed the, the uh, electric fence gate and everything. And Griffin's still, you know, away a couple of hundred yards up there by the, by the fence. And so I took the gator and I went up there to, uh, pick Griffin up and he, he jumped in and I looked at him and I said, man, I, I'd have bet you a $50 bill that that would have never worked if somebody would have come up with that plan to begin with. And I said, but I really appreciate your help. And Griffin looked over at me without a smile and he goes, dad, you didn't need my help. You just didn't want to open the gate. I got a little teary. I was like, you're ready to be a dad. <laughs> you've got it figured out, you know. You didn't even have to figure it out. You've got it down now. So proud. 
So with one victory in my pocket, I turned my attention, another word for anxiety, uh, I, I turned my attention to try to catch one of these knotheads the next morning. So I had, you know, 18 hours to worry about which horse I was going to be able to catch because they've been turned out for a couple of weeks. And even though they're in a big water lot, the, I, I've, I've got them. <laughs> they're still turned out. They're just turned out in a smaller pen. And so I, I worried about that and worried about it. And I, I finally came up with a great plan because I'm Mr. Planner Planty guy, right? And I was like, just whichever one will be still, that's which one I'll ride. And so anyway, uh, the next morning, uh, I walked out there and, you know, if I'm not, my horses have ESP, right? They're psychic horses because I can walk out there if I'm not going to catch one and they'll all run up to me like, Hey, what's up? But you walk out there with a halter and they're like, uh, uh, this ain't happening. And so they, you know, they usually run and everything like that. And, uh, I got up just. You know, I, I wanted to be sure that I had plenty of time to run a marathon chasing these horses around a big water lot so that I would be on time. So I, you know, I got up eight or nine hours early, you know, and I went out there with the required equipment for catching my horses, which consists of two things, a halter and an inhaler. <laughs> and so I, I went out there and, uh, they were all standing in the far corner, all perched on a T-post, ready to make their run. And I walked out there and I got about halfway to them and I could see them tensing up. I'm like, okay, you go to the left, I'll go to the right. You will and try to kick his head off. <laughs> and so when I kind of saw them getting a little bit antsy, I just stopped. And I was sitting there thinking to myself, I do not want to chase y'all all over this pen. And I saw them kind of relax. So I took a couple of more steps and I saw it happen again. So I just stopped standing out there and I just kind of repeated this process over and over and over. And when I finally made it up to the closest, which was, was butthead, um, he just said there, just licked his lips. And I put the halter on him, started crying again and, you know, got, got down on the ground and, you know, thanking God didn't have to tear my clothes or throw ashes on me or, you know, any, anything biblical like that. But, you know, I, I didn't stand there because it was some voodoo Ray Hunt video, you know, that I had learned it off of. I didn't kneel on the ground to show them that I was, I, I love those, those pictures of people breaking horses where there's pictures of them, you know, down on their knees, you know, showing that the horse that they're not, they're not a threat or anything. I, I didn't, I didn't do any of that. I just didn't feel like chasing anything. And isn't it amazing that whenever you just finally realize that you're probably not in charge, even though you'd like to be, that it's not real complicated to catch a horse. They just stood there quietly and I walked to Budhead, walked up to Budhead and put the halter on him and we walked out. We make everything so, so complicated. And, and you know, we can always look back and say, you know, a lot of y'all, I mean, I, I see the looks in your faces. You know, I see you. Well, why didn't you do that the whole time? Well, it doesn't always work like that. That's why. You know, usually I stand out there for a while, but it's because I'm using my inhaler, okay? We'd already tried all that before and it didn't work, but, but this morning it worked. We make everything so complicated, but actually life isn't that hard. Actually, it's pretty easy. The hard part comes when we do more and wear ourselves out. And that's another thing that I've learned is that God doesn't necessarily want me to do more. 
but do a better job at what he's already asked me to do. Just ask Ty, because I am a source of Ty's anxiety and most of the board members and everything like that, because when things are going real good, I'm like, what else can we do? <laughs> and they're like, uh, nothing, nothing, <laughs> you know, but, but I have learned that, that God doesn't necessarily want us to do more. He just wants us to do what he's already asked us to do better. We think that growth comes from doing more, but it doesn't. I mean, it comes from doing what he's already asked us to do better. It doesn't come from working harder, but by working for the right reason. And, and you know, I mean, I, I had a busy week and, and I, I could have called Gary and said, you know what, Gary, man, it's really busy. My son's fixing to have surgery tomorrow. And man, I, I just can't help. But I didn't. I told him I'd help. And, and, and he's been so instrumental in helping us that, you know, I, I wasn't going to let him down. Even if it, even if I had to use my inhaler, I wasn't going to let him down. But a lot of times, all God wants us to do is not the hard, complicated thing, just the right thing, just the right thing. It, it's, it's really not that hard. And a lot of people say, well, I just don't know what God wants me to do. And most of the time, if you really think about it, you know exactly what God wants you to do. You just want to find a way to do it easier with more recognition. And God doesn't care about that. What he cares about is you doing what he's already asked you to do. And we make things so complicated. So I caught Budhead, got the trailer hooked up and uh, got him loaded up. And we went out and to Gary's and I was 30 minutes early and 10 minutes late. Um, because I, I felt really horrible by the way, Gary, um, he said that there was going to be, you know, Lee was coming and then another lady that I hadn't met was coming. And so I'm sitting there and we're supposed to be ready to ride at eight, at eight o'clock and everybody's ready. And I'm still having coffee, right? Cause I'm sitting on the fender and we're just visiting and stuff like that. And finally Gary's like, uh, can you get your horse? I was like, aren't we waiting on somebody else? He goes, oh, she's just taking pictures. She'll be here later. I was like, oh, sorry. So I go over there and have to use my inhaler because I'm trying to dress and, you know, put my leggings on and, and bridle my horse in, you know, 0.2 seconds and end up nearly falling down and all of that stuff. But uh, we went out there and Murphy's Law always happens whenever you're working cattle. And uh, they had... Uh, him and, and Don and Becky, I think, had gone out there and pushed them up to the front pasture that's just about 80 acres, so it's just going to be a short little gather. And <laughs> we get up there, and we ride over this little hill, and we look, and they're on the backside of this pasture. And we're like, oh, no. So uh, Jimmy Fonden's going to be there in about 45 minutes to, to load all these cattle, and we got to go to the backside of this pasture now. But I was like, hey, it's a nice morning. Nearly had to wear a jacket. It's kind of cool. And so we struck a long trot to the back of this pasture and gathering them all up and bringing them down the fence line. And I get to the, I was kind of in the lead. So I got to the gate first and the gate stick was broken half and the fence was laid down. So I pulled it back and to let them through. And Gary's like, count them through the gate. And I, I hate that. I don't know how many he has. And, you know, you try to do a good job. And I don't know if any of you have ever counted cattle through a gate. But uh, I, I blame it on Robert because, you know, it's kind of like watching a train drive by. You try to count a train going by, you know, you're like one, two, three, four, five. And then you start getting dizzy, right? <laughs> That's kind of the way it is uh, uh, counting cattle um, through the gate. 
And so anyway, I'm like, you got to do a good count. And I'm good as long as they're going through. But then, you know, about every ninth one, they'll stop. Right. And so you got to kind of reposition your horse, kind of back it up a little bit to give them that space to go through because it's a constant back and forth to to keep them going through. And so it's not the count. That's the problem. It's whenever the cattle stop. And I'm like, was that 42 or 43? You know, so anyway, anyway, uh, they, they went through and, and, and they got all through and, and I got up there with Gary and, and I said, uh, 86. <laughs> and I was scared. He's gonna be like, there's supposed to be 180, you know, but he's like, no, it's perfect. That's right on. I was like, whoo. And so anyway, we, we got them into the pen. There was two knot heads, but you know, I was, you know, me and Meg are good cowboys, so we got them in, no problem. And we got them all loaded onto the truck, but he had to take two trailers as well because they wouldn't all fit on the semi. And so anyway, uh, we backed Meg's trailer up and uh, opened the little sliding gate up to the alleyway, and we loaded the rest of them in. And I went to shut this sliding gate on this trailer, and it's got like two little holes that the pin goes through to keep the gate from opening up but that pin didn't there was two holes but it stopped right above the the second hole and i'm like am i doing something wrong here and so gary and lee are on the left i'm in the alley and gary and lee are on the outside of the alley and they kind of see the puzzled look on my face and they come over there and they're like what's wrong and i said well the pin doesn't go all the way through and so they start looking at it and jiggling. I mean, there's just no way. And it kind of dark on one end. So I think it kind of got bent or something. But it didn't really matter because if the pin broke, it was all going to fall through both holes. So, you know, didn't really matter that it was only, only one hole. And so anyway, Meg is over here. And all she hears, because she's got selective hearing, right, Meg? All she hears is, I don't think she'll lose any cattle. And we're kind of talking soft. And so Meg starts wigging out. She's already nervous about pulling this 24 foot trailer to brush. And, uh, she asked me if the gate was going to come open because she was driving that truck and she didn't want no problems. Well, Gary and Lee didn't hear all of this. So real quietly, I tried to diffuse her anxiety and I turned to her and I said, you won't lose many. And she goes, what? And I said, well, the pen doesn't really fit that great, but I really don't think it'll come open. But if it does, it's okay, because there's only six in the back compartment. And, and Gary has that built into his formula. You can lose six and still break even, Meg. And she is just wigging out. So being the good friend that I am, she jumps on Gary. I'm not driving that truck if we're going to lose cattle. And Gary's like, what? And so my work is done. So I just step back. (laughs) My work is done here. My work is done. Took us the next 45 minutes of engineering to convince her that it wasn't going to come open. I finally fessed up and went home. And it was only 11 o'clock in the morning. So when it's only 11 o'clock in the morning, you didn't know how long it would take. You've got the rest of the day, right? So I started worrying about everything I could do with the rest of the day, but there was too many choices. There's too much to do every day. So anyway, after nearly an hour of worrying, I decided to do something that God has already been talking to me about. He doesn't always want me to start something new, but to finish what I started, you know, because I, I, I'm a horrible 
procrastinator, right? And so instead of just pulling up and putting everything right back where it goes, you know, my leggings were still in the truck and my bridle was still in the truck. The truck is still hooked up and I'm worrying about what I'm going to do next. And finally, God was like, hey, man, I got your horses in without any work. I made them stand still so that you, you know, didn't have to chase them around. You didn't have to use your inhaler once. Why don't you just go put everything back? where it goes the right way, because usually what happens is I have to look in 14 trucks to find my bridle and then my shaps are in another truck and, you know, just all of this stuff. So I went and unhooked the trailer and put everything back where it was supposed to go instead of leaving everything out for later. You know, if you really want to do something, instead of just doing what God has already called you to do, finish what he's already called you to do. You know, Paul equates our Christian life with running a race. And he said, man, anybody can run a race. Anybody can start a race, but can you finish it? And that's what God has called us to do. Not, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, they think that, that signing up for the marathon is good enough, but it's not. He doesn't want us to just sign up. He wants us to finish what we started. When you get done loving God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength, and, and when you get done loving your neighbor as your friend, when you have perfected and finished those two things, then you can start something new. You'll never finish those two. You'll never finish those two until that day that you stand in front of the big man and he looks down at you and says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Get on in here. What you doing out there? Come on. Can you finish what you start? Listen, listen, it's, it's not that complicated. We try to make things just so, so, so complicated But it's really not. It's really not. All we have to do is not try to figure everything out. You know, God, you don't have to figure out what God, what else God wants you to do. He wants you to do what he's already asked you to do. And he wants you to finish that. You know, Save the Cowboy is is very, very simple. I was having breakfast with a good friend of mine, Riley Younger, and we were talking about that. And I said, you know, there's nothing complicated about Save the Cowboy. We just use the cowboy way of life to explain what it means to ride for the Lord and to continue, not just start something, but to continue that ride until the day that we stand before him. We have a great gift, or I don't even know if it's a gift. I think we make it a gift. We have a great talent for complicating things. The easier our lives get, the more complicated we try to make things. But your relationship with God isn't complicated. God wants you to know that he sent his son to save you. And to get in this horse trough or wherever you're at and be baptized. And you don't have to have some preacher do it. It ain't about who helps you get baptized in and out of the water. It's about your faith to be baptized and then, and then to devote your life to loving God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And loving your neighbor as yourself. Man, that is what we're supposed to do. It's not complicated. There'll be, a, there'll be blowouts and there'll be this and there'll be that and there'll be this and there'll be that. But in the end, it's not complicated. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, this life you've asked us to live may be hard, but it isn't complicated. We make it that way. Help us to learn to love and trust and obey and relax in what your son did for us on the cross and how everything has been prepared and forgiven for those that trust in you. God, we look forward to the day that you will look at us and smile with a love that we cannot possibly know and say, let me show you 
what I've had prepared for you, not just for a little while, but for eternity. God, we look forward to that forever home. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.